This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Great to have you with us on Farmer's Kitchen, brought to you by Spinneys on Dubai Eye 103.8. I'm Helen Farmer and we have been delving into the world of food. Michelin has arrived in Dubai. We were speaking to the international director and indeed someone who has won a coveted green star. Congratulations to everyone involved. Really excited to see what happens over the next year. We were also in conversation with two chefs who are doing something very different indeed. Chef Basil, who is Emirati and is all about the burger. He's from Lento. And Chef Moon, who is the man at the helm at Sushi Shamba. Also, we were in conversation with Karen D'Souza of Spinney's celebrating fantastic pairings, flavours that go together and keeping you cool as a cucumber this summer. Plus, celebrating small businesses that are available on your shelves. It was all about vegan gelato with a company started right here in the UAE. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinney's. Eat well, live well. Fantastic to have you with us. It is all about food today and it's been a huge week for the foodie, the chef community here in Dubai as Michelin launched its very first Dubai guide. Recognising 69 restaurants across selected restaurants, one stars, two stars and some special awards too, including welcome and service, sommelier and the recipient of a green star. Joining us now to tell us more about that is the winner. We have got Kate Christie joining us, the Chief Operating Officer at Lowe. Kate, first of all, I just want to say congratulations. Have you, have you come down from that, uh, from that cloud nine yet? <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, yeah, look, my cheeks hurt a lot from smiling. Um, it's definitely a huge accomplishment and was a, a massive surprise for all of us. But yeah, it just feels amazing and it just means so much to all of our team who's just been working so hard to do all of this. Um, can I ask then, let's let's kind of take you back, if you don't mind, to to Tuesday morning, which was Dubai Opera, the, literally the red carpet being rolled out. People are shucking <laughs> dibber oysters, there's little mocktails going around. You know, really like, you know, the Oscars of the Dubai food scene. Yeah. A lot of networking going on. How were you feeling before you went into into Dubai Opera itself? Um, I don't even know. To be honest, it was it was all a bit surreal. Um, obviously, was not expecting it. You would be able to see if you were watching the show because when I got up on stage, I was like, "Oh my god!" and I couldn't even speak. Um, yeah, so I'm pretty sure there might be some memes about that one coming out soon. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to describe the feeling. I, I think it was kind of, it was only a few hours afterwards that I really digested what had happened. So yeah, it was, it was just, I was so proud to be able to tell the team and, you know, thank them for everything that they've done. Now, can we talk a little bit about this award? Because... As the international director of Michelin, uh, Gwendolyn, explained, only 500 restaurants in the world have been given this accolade. Can you explain Mm -hmm. a little bit about what kind of standards, what characteristics, what efforts they're looking to recognise with the Green Star in particular? So from what I understand, it's people who are doing excellent gastronomy in a sustainable way. That's kind of what I'm sort of taking from it. Um, For us, what we're doing is we've created a menu where we're trying to use whole animals. Um, So some of our dishes we'll use, for instance, like the chicken, we'll make a stock from that. And then we also use the chicken, you know, like everything is used 
in the dish um, and if it's not used in that dish any byproducts are used in another dish and then any other waste we actually freeze it pickle it ferment it we do all sorts of different things and we save it all up for these waste not dinners um, where we serve like eight to ten course meal kind of made from waste products that we have lying around um, it doesn't sound appealing. And when you read the menu on the night, sometimes it's a bit scary. Um, <laughs> like what? what? What's kind of raised a few eyebrows over the, over the course of the, of the program? I think all of it has raised a few eyebrows, to be honest. Even sometimes when I'm writing the menus, I'm like, oh, God, what's going to happen when these people, when these people arrive? Um, what are they going to say? Um, like, for instance, we served, like, at the last one, um, it was fish skin with skin emulsion and tomato skin salt. You know, if you read that on the menu, what are you going to think? Uh, but it was it was really delicious. Um, so it's just these kind of things that we're making out of things that would normally go into the bin. Mm. Um, and then, you know, in addition to that, we're, we're building a kitchen garden, which will be operating from October once the weather gets a bit nicer. You know, we're composting our food waste, which will go into the kitchen garden. We have no plastic um, in the restaurant, which means even no coffee cup lids and all sorts of things. Um, so, yeah, I guess the award of recognising all of those things that we're doing, but we're not the only ones doing it in Dubai, which is amazing. You know, there's lots of other great restaurants like Boca as well. Um, and it's amazing to see a lot of people just trying to do their bit. You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. We are talking food this afternoon and the Michelin Awards took place this week. Uh, restaurants acknowledged for all sorts of different things from sommelier to service. Of course, some getting one and even two stars. But the winner of the Green Star was low. It's there in Coa in Albarari and Kate Christou, the co-founder, joins us now. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinney's. Eat well, live well. Can I ask why? Well, you know, why have you decided, obviously food is front and centre for you and your husband Jesse and, and, and the whole kind of community around Lowe. It's, it's not about, you know, serving up something that could be composted just for the sake of eating it. Food has to, you know, <laughs> food, food has to be the priority. But why are you putting sustainability really up front as well? Why have you made that choice as a restaurant? Um, to be honest, I wouldn't say it's a choice. I think it's, I think it's a responsibility. I think everybody needs to do it. Um, and it wasn't like we sat down one day and we're like, we're going to be a sustainable restaurant. It's not even something that we promote as who we are. Um, like, you know, it's not all over our website. We don't go around saying that because it's just so ingrained in everything that we do. Um, and, you know, when you get to do these things like the waste not dinners and stuff, it's a chance for us to sort of show our creativity and, you know, test our skills and try new things and teach the team new things. And so, yeah, it's sort of fun and good for the environment. And also a challenge, I guess, on on the creativity front. What's been happening behind the scenes? Anything that hasn't worked or any, I guess, really nice surprises of things you thought, do you know what, we were putting that aside or we've seen other restaurants discarding this, but this has been actually really delicious. Yeah, look, to be honest, I mean, from some of the Waste Not dinners, we've actually ended up putting um, some of the things that we've created onto the menu, not necessarily the dish, but like some of the elements. So there has been um, a lot of really, really good surprises that have come from it because we've been like, oh, hang on a second, we were throwing this out before 
and now actually we've realized that we can turn this into something else that is so delicious and then we can put it on our normal menu and that's why like over the years our our menu has actually developed to the point where we can't even do that many waste not dinners anymore because we don't have that much waste because we're already thinking about how that can be reused into another dish so yeah, it's kind of like come, come full circle and we've ended up in a situation where we're running out of waste. Okay, we, I will we'll bring ours in. But, if I, but you also offer yeah. up some, you know, some really good kind of ideas for, for us at home, you know, aside from the restaurant of, you know, shopping smart, pickling, food storage, keeping track, and I guess just encouraging all of us to be a little bit more mindful. And I think serving sensibly was something that I kind of really took away from your kind of big philosophy because we've got such a culture here in this part of the world of over ordering you know buffet Mm -hmm. culture and it is pretty heartbreaking um in terms of waste but also in terms of you know money wasted as well to see big portions just being sent back into the kitchen um so i think that's i think that's a really a really valuable valuable thing that that everybody could definitely be paying a bit more attention to um could we go back to the beginning of low why and when did it all get started and you know what were the what were your kind of intentions upon opening um we opened low in 2019 and sort of the plan was to open and it's still our philosophy where the whole thing behind low is doing seasonal produce cooked naturally by fire using like our charcoal grill and our wood-fired oven um obviously seasonality in this region is not as clear-cut as it is back home mm-hmm. because we can get ingredients flowing in from all around the world all year round um so when we're designing the menu obviously we look local first and some of that's a bit harder um so you if you come to Low now, you'll find we barely have any protein options on our menu. We had to remove some dishes that customers really loved, like the Omani prawns, because we're just not happy with the quality of the seafood at this time of year because the water's so warm. So we've gone for like a very veg-forward menu during summer, um, trying to use ingredients from the indoor vertical farms around town. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like our sort of main philosophy. We, we just want simple, good food. Um, and everyone to just come and have a good time and feel like they're at home. What, and what do you think the impact of Michelin being in Dubai is going to have, um, obviously on you guys, but also as the restaurant scene as a whole? Um, I don't know. I, I'm interested to see what's going to happen, obviously. Um, I, you know, I would just like to see for us, you know, the, where our restaurant is located, we're not, you know, a place, we don't really get many tourists because of where we are. Um, so I would like to think that maybe we we'll might get a few more tourists because they'll hear about us because of Michelin. Um, for the rest of the restaurants in Dubai, you know, I mean, it's obviously really put Dubai as a, you know, food city on the map. Um, so I think a lot, of, a lot more people are going to be looking at Dubai a little bit differently and being like, okay, there's more to this city. And people who wouldn't have normally come here are you know, either going to make the stop or come for a holiday. So that's going to be really exciting to see. What about, I mean, we've spoken to a, a number of chefs over the week about, you know, they were already busy, but now we're looking at waiting list situations. Have you seen an, a <laughs> kind of an uptick already? <laughs> um... We, you know, we had a nice night last night. Good, but, good. Um, <laughs> you know, I, you know, I obviously hope that it turns into more customers. Um, but let's see, the restaurant game in the city is so tough. Mm-hmm. There's so much competition, mm-hmm. and we're just grateful for every customer that chooses to dine with us because we know they have a lot of choice. When I saw your 
post on Instagram following the announcement, which you did acknowledge your kind of not didn't enjoy the public speaking aspect of getting up on stage. But I thought your <laughs> caption was so eloquent and so heartfelt and so personal as well, because, you know, you've been really open about your health over the last year. And for anyone that hasn't been, you know, been aware of that this time last year, you really were. And this is no exaggeration, you know, fighting for your life, Kate. You were mm-hmm. in the depths of a, of a breast cancer battle. You know, what would you say to yourself 12 months ago about what the, the coming year could hold? Uh, honestly, I, yeah, I, it even makes me a bit emotional just thinking about it now. I can't even, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't have even told myself that this is where I would be right now. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're in that kind of state and going through those kind of, you know, those kind of horrible things, it's, it's really hard to sort of see into the future at all um so yeah it's it's just amazing it's unbelievable um yeah and <laughs> it, you know, no, a bit emotional. no it's, it's it's wonderful because i think that's what's so lovely about low as well that you know you and your husband jesse are very much the kind of the heart and soul of that and the the philosophy and the care and the attention to detail and what was his reaction um well he's not actually here at the moment he's in away? India opening <laughs> yeah he's opening a Japanese restaurant um so but I'm gonna go see him tomorrow so. <laughs> well <laughs> have, have an amazing amazing reunion yeah. and hopefully more celebrations um yeah. what are what are plans for Lo then over the over the coming months I mean obviously we want you to keep on doing what you've been doing and what you've been recognized for for so much but any hopes or aspirations yeah, look, I mean, we're going to keep doing sort of the events. We're going to get them back back up and running the travel series. We haven't done that one for a while. Um, one of our team is uh, one of our chefs. He's from Indonesia, and he cooks the most amazing food uh, for a staff meal. And I was like, come on, let's create a menu. Let's do a travel series in Indonesia. Um, so we'll be doing that, and we will do some more waste, not dinner series when we when we can get some more waste and um and then as always we always change the menu around september october once we can start to get some more produce from closer to the you know closer to where we are and better seafood and everything and lastly kate if we are going to come to uh come to Ken, head to albarari and if we can get a table at low fingers firmly crossed <laughs> what do you think we need to eat in order to have had that experience and be able to say do you know what i have dined at one of only a handful of green star Michelin restaurants in the world. Oh what, my gosh. what should we be eating? <laughs> um, this, <laughs> I find it so hard to recommend things because I'm really biased and I really love everything on the menu. Um, but I don't know, I guess the wood-fired bread, everybody loves mm-hmm. um, some of the dips. I really love the whipped feta and the romesco one as well. Um, the market fish. The desserts, I think, <laughs> some of the best desserts. I don't know. Just don't eat for a week and come and order everything. <laughs> wear, wear your stretchiest trousers and enjoy. Yeah. Well, again, Kate, massive congratulations to you, to your husband, and to the whole team, really, because this is this is the team effort that it's it takes a it takes a village. Yes, it really, so. really does, and and to the whole community. Yeah, I think exactly. I've just been so delighted to see this sustainability angle really going hand in hand with some of the UAE's goals as a whole but to be done in such an enjoyable and creative way is just wonderful to have that recognition from Michelin so enjoy yourself safe travels and uh, looking forward to eating uh, some food at low very very soon take care thank you so much this is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8 with Spinneys eat well live well
It is all about food this Friday afternoon and since awarding its first stars back in 1926, the Michelin Guide rating system has remained the gold standard in the restaurant world. Earning Michelin stars can put a restaurant on the culinary map. And the first Michelin Guide Dubai 2022 was launched on Tuesday, comprising of 69 restaurants. 11 were awarded Michelin stars, 14 receiving a bib gourmand deemed to provide good value for money, along with 44 Michelin-selected restaurants. Two received two Michelin stars, stay by Yannick Aleno and Il Restaurante by Nico Romito. And joining us now is the International Director of Michelin Guides. Gwendol Pulnek is with us, uh, speaking to us about what has been unfolding over the last couple of days but I guess a little bit before that as well Gwendal thank you so much for being with us I think first things first though congratulations on the successful launch what a busy week for you but thank you very much and of course it's very exciting you know to to launch and to reveal the very first uh, mission guide selection for a new destination and can I ask you how long has the team been working on the Michelin guide to Dubai what's been happening behind the scenes and over what time period you know, our inspectors have been working on the field first to monitor the evolution of the culinary landscape and then to make the, this very first selection for more than five years. Wow, five years, my goodness. Now, I think, as we said, we've, we've managed to get it down to 69 restaurants across the selected one star and two star. Can I ask, how do inspectors and indeed the guide as a whole decide which restaurants to visit? Because we have thousands in Dubai. Of course, and uh, you know that's all about the richness of the local culinary scene. But you know, our inspectors are have a real uh, background working for the industry, and before uh, moving in the field and also uh, monitoring the different uh, places and restaurants, we do a lot of research to make sure that when on the field we will let no stone unturned, and we will also really comb the the city to ensure that uh, we are able to reveal all the Eden gems. So can I ask then, how many were visited for this guide? Do you have a number of how many places the inspectors actually went to? No, that's part of the secret recipe. But uh, I can tell you that uh, we have been uh, visiting much more restaurants than that we uh, finally uh, selected uh, within this very first uh, selection. Can I ask you, um, Gwendal, how do you deal with any disappointment or backlash from chefs or restaurants who feel like maybe they deserve to get on the stage at Dubai Opera and receive a jacket and award or recognition? That's all part of the process, I'm sure. It's, you know, it's such a prized award. What about those who are disappointed or feel like things should have been different? But, you know, first of all, uh, the mission guide is working for, for the gourmand. You know, for the end user going to, to the restaurant uh, with their own money. And that's the reason why our inspectors just behave anonymously like any uh, regular guest. And uh, the mission guide is also about, you know, igniting a positive emulation within the industry. You can't take your staff for granted because you have to deserve it. You know, every year, every new selection, every new guide is a newborn. But uh, also it's, uh, it is possible to move forward and to, uh, to climb the ladder and to reach the next level the following year. So it's always open. Our inspectors are constantly on the field because it is a never-ending, you know, testing process. Mm -hmm. And what impact have other cities seen on food tourism or, you know, direct restaurant bookings as a result of Michelin, that selection, those stars? Do we have any numbers on it? 
But the Mission Guide is, uh, let's say, the ultimate source of trust for international travelers looking for the best places uh, to to eat. So it will have definitely an impact uh, on the restaurants themselves and also on the attractiveness uh, of the destination. And uh, we know, according to an independent uh, Ernst Young study, that two-thirds of the international traveler We'd rather, you know, uh, choose a destination recommended by the mission guide versus a comparable one without a mission guide selection. Mm -hmm. And that the mission guide is also contributing to, to retain, you know, the, the tourists so that they stay longer and they also spend more. It's going to be really interesting to see how that unfolds and that direct correlation between a star and I know a lot of the restaurants that you've highlighted are already very busy, but to see if there's going to be an, an even longer waiting list. And then what about the impact that a star or two or even three can have on an individual chef's career? What have you seen in the past? No, for, uh, for um, uh, a chef and restaurant teams, a mission guide can be a, a life changer because it's part of their own you know, career path. It will help them, it will open many doors, you know, to, to them and let help them, you know, encourage them to move forward, to, to move to the next level and also to create, to, uh, to expand, to, to do new projects. But the mission guide is also a game changer, you know, for the industry because uh, even beyond the restaurants, uh, there are many, you know, ripple effects. Because uh, when you have more high-quality restaurants, uh, you have more, you know, supply of uh, high-quality uh, products, and there are a lot of ripple effects throughout the whole, you know, food chain, uh, from the product to, to the uh, from the product, for example, to the laundry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the Bib Gourmand category because cost of living is a big priority and a bit of a concern for many people right now. Why do you feel like it's so important to focus on that value area? But the Bib Gourmand uh, is, uh, you know, the mission indication for the restaurants offering the best value for money. So in these restaurants, you can enjoy a, a full meal uh, at a very affordable price. And it's a key indication for the gourmand because, uh, you know, everyday people are not uh, eating out in star restaurants. Mm-hmm. And you need uh, places, you need restaurants that are also accessible. And uh, let's say that uh, over the past year, uh, our inspectors uh, have been uh, witnessing that there are more and more restaurants in Dubai offering good value for money. And that the reason why, with this uh, first ever selection, we have, you know, a great selection of Bib Gourmand with the 14 addresses being highlighted. And I just wanted to ask then, are the inspectors out again? When will they start on next year's guide? You know, as the time we speak, we already have inspectors back on the field because it's a never-ending process. And today, all selection is available online on the website and app, and it would be constantly refreshed. Mm-hmm. Of course, the stars are awarded yearly, but we constantly need to update all other information. And lastly, for any chefs or restaurants who'd like to get on the stage and receive a jacket next year, what advice would you give to them to be truly worthy of inclusion in the Michelin Guide for Dubai 2023? A simple advice, work for your clients. Among your clients, there might be an emission guide inspector.
Thank you so much, Gwen. The fantastic advice. And I know you're incredibly busy. Um, of course, hopefully making some time to enjoy some amazing food here in Dubai. So thank you for all the hard work that's been going on behind the scenes. Congratulations on a very successful launch and some very happy chefs, restaurants and diners as a result of this coming to light this week. Thank you, Gwen. But thank you very much. And the future of uh, Dubai culinary scenes looks very bright. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Chef Faisal Nasser describes himself as a bit of an Emirati Q80 hybrid with a bit of Leeds University chucked in, which is where I went too. We'll, we'll talk off air, Chef, about some of the mischief we might have got up to during the, <laughs> <laughs> during the, yeah. during the noughties. Uh, you are the brains behind the Abu Dhabi uh, concept Lento, opened yeah. back in October 2020. An interesting time to be opening a restaurant in 2020, but uh, yeah. we'll, be, we'll be talking about that as well. It's just opened in Dubai. It's even got a DJ booth. Great to have you with us, So. I, I really want to understand, though, how you've gone from Kuwait, Dubai, Leeds Uni, being a geneticist and now being being a chef. Can you break it down for us? It's, yeah, it's all over the place. <laughs> no, I love said. it. That's the term. Right? I love it. Um, well, basically, I, yeah, I grew up in Kuwait and uh, my mom is a Marathi. He, 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 he fell in love with my, my mom in Kuwait and then they stayed until we grew up. Until we came to UAE, did high school, and there was no plan for me to go to to, to England. Uh, I've always loved cooking because um, you know we have housemaids here, but I don't like to ask them to do me anything. So I've always done things myself. I remember I can recall the time when I was Ill, only six. I would just heat the bread and have cheese spread and on it and some um, black peppers. It's my favorite thing. I still eat it anytime. It's like it's your comfort my, thing. <laughs> yes, my comfort thing. Anyway, so um, then I went to England and I had two routes, whether to live, to have a furniture of pizza boxes, Mm -hmm. like all students. Um, You say that when I went to have a look around one particularly horrendous house share in Leeds. Yeah. They opened up the front door and they're like, this is the leaning tower of pizza. And yeah. it was two meters of pizza boxes. Exactly. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, so I, th- that was a thing. Or I would just learn how to cook. And first year I couldn't because I, I lived with, a, with, a, with an, an English ha- family host. It was in Brighton. It was in Leeds first Interesting. year. Interesting. Yeah. And second year is when I started doing it. Um, I had uh, colleagues from or other students from GCC, UAE. Kuwait, Saudi, and they were homesick, and I started cooking some some of the food from home. What were you making? Just I got a little booklet of my of uh, recipes from my mom. I didn't know if the res- the food was really nice or they just missed home and they they were telling me it's nice. But it's grateful it, to have someone cooking for them. But it, that was a spark, you know. It's like everybody's gathering around mm-hmm. and people I just met and they're happy having food from home. But isn't that it made them happy? And that, isn't that exactly? what food really is all about we yeah. hear all the time from especially fitness industry you know food is fuel and yeah of course there's an aspect of that of course there is yeah. but food ultimately is about bringing people together and communicating 100%. and heritage and storytelling 100% but so you've got a, obviously a lot of Middle Eastern love yeah. tell us about Lento then tell us about that concept because as I said started in October 2020 yeah. a bold time to open exactly. a restaurant it's- um, I, I'm one of those people who actually uh, take too long to sharpen a knife. I'm not talking about in the kitchen, but yeah. everything in life. I take I'm, I'm a little bit too patient with, and I should have done that a long time ago. Uh, but because I know so much, I've been in this for, from when I was since I was in Leeds, like 2006 and five. That was when I worked in kitchens as a part time, and uh, then 
Uh, but I was thinking like uh, so many so many restaurants, you know, so many competition. I'm not going to open anything. I want to do something super fine dine, or either do it this way or not. Mm-hmm. Then I started, uh, you know, doing consultations and checking other kitchens and kitchen problems, and until the point where I saw people making so much money and they have zero knowledge about food. <laughs> and that was 2019. And then I just came. I I had an office job. I have to tell you the news now. What? I just resigned today. Oh, <laughs> so, my brother. So, yeah, thank you. So, yeah. So, How you, are you so, so, your first one to know about. And then at the end, I didn't even announce it on my social media. So, ah. yeah. So, anyway, so I um, I had this office job. I had my colleague. And then I told him, listen, uh, in Arabic, we say, halas, halas. We have to open something. Let's do it. Yeah. And uh, I did Lento. I said, I saw a trend of smash burgers coming. And I say, let's do it, but I'm going to do it my way. So um, I want to bake things in-house. I want to make my own spices. I want to pickle things up. I want to just try to make everything from scratch to do it my way. So I'm really kind of following a trend, but doing it my way. This way I would be happy. Co- uh, COVID wasn't, I mean, it was 19, that was 2019 when we start the idea. Then mm-hmm. COVID happened. And then like, we're just waiting and waiting. I said, let's just, just, just open, see what happens. It can't, it can't go wrong. And what happened is, much more than not going wrong. It's gone very, very right indeed to the point where he's quit yeah. his job. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Meeting the chef this hour and today it is Emirati chef, restaurateur Faisal Nasser. He is the brains behind the super popular Abu Dhabi eatery Lento. It opened in October 2020 and they've just opened their second one right here in Dubai on Al Thania, which even has a DJ booth. Now, chef, please don't take this the wrong way. Mm-hmm. You're not in your chef whites today. Yeah. <laughs> Tell I, us about I, your style. I, I don't wear it all the time. I just prefer like a name tag. And, and sometimes I don't want people to come and realize like, oh, he's a chef. Look at him. You know, sometimes I do it like now because I'm training. Yeah. And uh, new staff. So I do it like, look at me. I am the chef. I'm official. You know, yeah, official. But like if it's once, once we, we once we get the hang of it, we I don't really, I just, an apron is enough for me. No. I respect the chef, chef jacket. I'm not like one of those uh, tattoos and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't wear it all the time. But this is obviously a big part of your personal style as yeah. well, right? And you know, you, you've got a DJ booth in yeah. the Dubai branch. Tell us about that, about, I guess, flavor and flavor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> flavor in your ear. Yeah, exactly. He says, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm so, I mean, I love music so much. And, and uh, I actually have, um, I actually have, um, um, record collection, like uh, you can see on the on the on the wall. Um, um, I, I music to me is a lot, and I, the DJ booth. I, I've, I've just said to you earlier that chefs and DJs have a lot in common. Loads. You know, um, they blend. We blend flavors. They blend music to to the flavor of the the audience, mm-hmm. and uh, they make them happy. So yeah, I think there's massive parallels between yeah. food and music. I, th- I think about it a yeah. lot, to yeah. be honest, because yeah. it can obviously sets the tone. Yeah. And we know the impact that even listening to certain music can have on you know tastes yeah. and you know the intensity of flavor, but also to do with the state of flow that a chef gets into a musician or a DJ. 100%. And when you think about, as you're saying, you know, flavors, spices, ingredients. Yeah. There's massive parallels between that and, it, and, and, and musical it, notes. You know, like you know, if you think about two people who are given the same ingredients, yeah. the infinite combinations they can come up with, and it's exactly the same with music. You know, people bringing their own lens, their own experience, 100%. and communicating something. 100. And something, some, something I do all the time because sometimes I'm I am controlling the music <laughs> in the kitchen, it's and, your I, place, and I can see, I can see people like I can kind of 
judge people's style and then and then I can see them like, oh, they kind of like this one. Then I can change it. <laughs> I'm not a DJ. I'm just with my phone <laughs> controlling the music. But it's like, I like when I see people nodding their heads like, yeah, it's good. Yeah, they like this one. So more of in. that, more of that. Right. It's time yeah. to make me hungry. <laughs> so what's, what's on the menu then at Lento? We've, it's become really, and the Instagram is an absolute thing of beauty, by the way. Yeah. Smashed burgers. What exactly is a smashed burger? A uh, smashed burger is, uh, it's like a, a way of cooking burgers uh, super quickly. Um, yeah, you get out of the dilemma of I want it medium or medium well, so it's all smashed. So you get a crispy edges, mm. and it's kind of cooked on one side. So you get a lot of Maillard, like the red color, you know, kind of this amber red color on the one side. The other one is going to be a kind of grayish, but you get a lot of flavor on that side. And uh, it's it's uh, one of the methods where that were invented to cook a lot of burgers very quickly, Quick. very quickly, and yeah. So that's uh, that's the way that's the way we serve burgers in Atlanta, and um, yeah, I, I I did it my way by baking bread uh, with a sourdough starter. You do everything from scratch. We should be clear, right? Yes, spices, uh, uh, bread. Yeah, the spices like I dehydrate mushrooms and stuff like that and blend it to a spice, and um, yeah, the sauces. I have honey that I ferment for five days. Um, well, I, I I make kimchi in the house. I bought you some some fermented peppers. Yes, you can try like a pickle pickle thing. So yeah, I I, I, I like doing that. So I, I do this and fried chicken, and the fries I make from scratch, triple cooked. Uh, that's the, the the menu that's going to be moving the place. But then I made Dubai bigger to be able to do things off menu like once a month. Uh, once we get the hang of things. Um, we close Mondays, so you can announce that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's, close. Quit, he's quit his job, and we're closed Mondays. Yeah, we close, we close Mondays. So, uh, so Mondays, I'll choose a Monday every month to do a chef table or do a collab with another chef yes. to express myself. And so, my my staff don't get bored of the of smashing burgers and fried chicken. So, yeah, no, I think and yeah, yeah. the chicken as well. Yeah. We should talk about now. What are, any anything sweet on the menu? Do you have a sweet tooth yourself? Um, I, I've got uh, brown my brownies people lo- seem to love them so much so I've got brownies and something we call lentos which is like our version of doing French toast or lentos oh nice yeah. so like the idea came from uh, I don't want to have some some like bun waste mm-hmm. and when the buns start to get stale I, I soak them in a cream anglaise a little bit of yuzu and set them the ice cream and then I actually brulee brulee the, the bun we have it in Abu Dhabi but now I'm st- training people to do it in Dubai so very soon it's going to be in, on the menu but it's in, in Abu Dhabi if you want to go take it. I saw something on the menu that I was like I need to ask I need to ask the chef Emirati fish and chips oh yeah this what? is what <laughs> <laughs> yeah this uh, yeah, you can see like UK and yeah, yeah UAE yeah so um, this is a, a dish I had to make when I did a collab with uh, chef Anthony uh, Dimitri from England and uh, it was a last minute thing and I had to do come up with something and it's like okay let's do fish and chips but we do it our way. So what I did is is a triple cooked fries. I, I make it very nicely. And then I have the fish, but marinated the fish with some Emirati spice rub. And uh, this, instead of um, uh, the mint piece, the I made a, piece, yeah, yeah I, I use something called, we call uh, uh, sofrito. It's not Emirati, but it's I made a sofrito in an Emirati style. So it's like a tomato, a little bit of carrots and onion and, and celery and a little bit of... Uh, uh, eggplants and, and then I just uh, saute it and some, some did, you go, did you go to fish and chip shops when you were in Leeds? Oh, all the time all the time <laughs> and, uh, and, then, and then instead of uh, putting um, a malt vinegar yeah 
um, I, I grate some, uh, something we call lumi here, which is a dried lime. You can see in the shops all the time. Like if you see any Marathi dish, any salon, we call salona, you can find like a little bowl on top, like floating. That's, that's a dry lime. And it's, it's very, it's very nice. Actually, Chef Anthony, when he tried it, uh, he's like, this is like, this is, this is amazing. Like he took some of it to, back back home to you. So I grate it on top of the fish. It, it gives you this, a little bit of acidity that things that break the fatty fish. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting dish. Well, I was going to say massive congratulations. Big step to have you here in Dubai. Big step for you as well, kind Thank of really you. leaning into this. Uh, Ali's saying fish and chips rule, loving the show as always. A number of messages going, where is this place and how do you spell it? I'll let you give directions, but it's L-E-N-T-O. Yeah. Where are you in Dubai? I am on Al Wasser Road, uh, Burj Al Arab side. So yeah. that's Wasser Road, Thania Street. Yeah, near the Waitrose. Near the Waitrose. The big Waitrose. The big Waitrose. Yeah. Chef, thank you so much. Thank you very so much. So nice to have you here. Thank you for having me. As I said, me. we'll talk off air about Leeds. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I went to no good restaurant for that <laughs> at all. <laughs> Chef Faisal speaking to us from Lento. They thank are you. open here. If you like music, if you like your burgers, sounds like there's only one place to go this weekend. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinney's. Eat well, live well. It is all about eating well and living well this afternoon. And if you want to dine with one of the best views in Dubai, Sushi Samba is definitely the place to be. It's on the 51st floor of the Palm Tower. So unobstructed, 360 panoramic views of the Palm, the Gulf, in Dubai, Dubai skyline. And the man that gets to see that view every day... When he's not in the kitchen, of course, is in the studio now, culinary director of Sushi Samba, Chef Moon. Chef, thank you for joining us this afternoon. How are you? Oh, how are you? Thank you for sparing time on a Friday as well. I know it's always super busy with service. You guys are busy at the moment. How's it going? Yeah, right now it's very busy, but it's, this is one of the fun life. And then it's, we are really enjoy so how much busy, and then I can happy always happy to solve like this happiness. It seems like an absolute perfect blend, as I said, views, food, and you said just off air, it's not about fine dining, it's about fun dining, and I love this. It seems like massive party vibes, everyone having a brilliant time. But we are going to talk about the food because it seems sure. to be a real fusion of different cultures. Yep. You're Korean, but you're there's Peruvian there, Brazilian, Japanese. What does that mean for the menu? What are some of your favorite dishes? So actually it's for everybody question mark is my nationality. But it's, uh, you know, now it's very, it's a lot of the it's a different culture. So we are, I'm interesting. So we are, it's fabric is my Samba Dubai. I can call. What's that? But sound like this Dubai, but this, this is one of the next level of the maki. So with the nice in the lobster, it's a whole lobster and with a little bit chunky chop and then it's put in the, with the truffle mayor and a little bit, you know, like a crunch part. And then we're rolling with the mamenori, so soybean paper. So everybody knowing the maki is just a seaweed rolling, but this is very smooth and very soft. So you can enjoy in the softness in the from the mamenori. Oh my goodness! Oh my, this is I had. You know, I had for my lunch a really rubbish wrap. I need to start eating better before I do the show because otherwise, I just spend the whole afternoon going. I should have had that. I should have had that. Now speaking of Brazil, I hear you're flying to Brazil soon. But from the sounds of it, a bit of work, but a bit of fun as well. What's the trip for, chef? 
No, because it's all everyone. I think it's everyone in the chef is always enjoying the discovery. What is different culture? Different culture, food culture. And you have to. You can't just be locked in the kitchen the whole time. You've got to be seeing what other people are doing. Yeah. Countries, Correct. chefs, restaurants. So S- Brazil, why? So that's why this is uh, because it's a sushi samba. It's uh, three cultures: Japanese, Brazilian, and Peruvian. So I will want to try to discovery of the Brazil culture. Because you can see one of the Asian men going to Brazil, so you can enjoy street food, something like that. I want Dancing. to really learn. Yeah. Dancing. Oh, of course, this is a part of the enjoys, but <laughs> yes, I can't say no. It's Brazil, is, you can imagine, it's nice summer. So, yes, this is also part of the, my what plan. A, what a job. So, going to go there, do some eating, bring some flavors back, maybe bring some dancers back. Maybe? I can't say right now because <laughs> this is a top secret because our future plan. Fine. So Okay, watch this space and that yep. space is on the 51st floor. As I said, you're originally from Korea. You've worked in amazing restaurants all over the world. You've been here in Dubai, Singapore, Australia, back to Dubai. You've won many, many accolades. And I have heard that you are one of the few chefs in the world that can make blowfish. Now, the reason this is called fuga, the reason it's so impressive, because if it's handled incorrectly by an inexperienced chef, it's deadly. Is that right? Yeah, but it's, but nowadays, a lot of the students in the board try to achieve last goal is to get this kind of license. Because when I, 20 years, I went to university. So I tried to learn is a certificate is global peace. This is a fantastic opportunity. I'm not just the cooking of the chef, but I know is how to take out in the poison. This is looks like a, you know doctor. So it's like an operation. Yeah, operation. That's why it's a, how exciting. So that's why I study and then try to examination. So that's why I finally I get this license. It is obviously not uh, permitted in many parts of the world, um, but what an amazing thing to have on your resume that you are one of the few chefs in the world that. Yeah, is is entrusted with a knife and a blowfish. What is the flavor profile of blowfish? How do you describe it? Uh, this is actually is a different level of the fish because it's very meat is very not is tender. Mm-hmm. It's very 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 chewing. That's why it's very tried in the very slice scene, how slice scene, and then you can enjoy. So they are using without poison part everything it even skin and the bone or so. So this looks like test like this. When you try to do like a really healthy food, this kind of food, I feel like this. So So interesting. So, so interesting. Now, as I said, Friday afternoon, I'm pretty willing to bet Sushi Samba is already filling up with people who are getting the best spots for their Instagram, you know, sunset photos. They've been planning their outfits. They've been looking ahead at the menu. And there's no there's no denying it. It's one of the most photogenic yep. and photographed yep. places Absolutely. in Dubai. Yep. How much do you need to factor that into your dish creation, the plating as well? Are you thinking about people taking photos? Yeah, of course. Is we try to do make happy your eye. Also, they, nowadays everybody taking the picture. So we try to do. So we try to the study a lot of the how to be presenting which ingredients and then of course is we are colorful our concepts so matching of the colorful and then you know this is all over thing is for try to do we are everything is for qualified mm-hmm. is the guest happy and the end of the day they're taking picture put in the instagram this is my my plan so this was this is i try to do 
still ongoing progress. Happy, happy eyes and happy tummies. Um, I've just got a message here from uh, AD saying the business lunch at Sushi Samba is amazing and really oh good my value. God, thank you. <laughs> so the the business lunch you do two courses, is that right? And it, it yes, it's really good value, about hundred hundred thirty eight. Mm-hmm. So we are business lunch in the first course, and then you can choose in the two dish and starter, and then you can choose in the main course one. So I can say is you can enjoy the sushi and ceviche and the end of the meal is robadayaki, nice grill. And with this, some like chimichurri rice. Yum, yum, yum. Chef, we've run out of time and I have to say mission accomplished. I think uh, we're all now fancying going up to that 51st floor, checking out the views, checking out the food. If we do go this weekend, what what one dish do you feel like we have to order? Uh a very difficult question because I only know. one dish. Only one. <laughs> but please, you try it in the uh, our anticucho in the Chilean sea bus anticucho. Yum, yum, yum. Chef Moon, thank you so, so much. Thank you. Get back into the kitchen. You've got hungry diners to feed there at Sushi Samba. Have a wonderful weekend ahead. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank great you. to have you in the studio. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. It is your Foodie Friday Farmer's Kitchen brought to you by Spinney's with me, Helen Farmer, through until five. Um, loving all of your messages. Keep them coming in. Your recommendations, what your plans are for the weekend too on 4001. You've got your ARN Play app and that WhatsApp too. Joining us now from Spinney's is Karen D'Souza as we're exploring the new issue of Nourish Magazine with some great recipes, ideas and things to pick up. Next time you pop into Spinney's, maybe you could be doing that with a 500 dirham voucher in your pocket. That's the prize for today. And in light of Michelin sharing some of their favourites in the brand new guide, I want to know what is your number one restaurant in Dubai? It doesn't need to be high end. It doesn't need to be fine dining. It could just be one that makes you happy every single time you go. Karen, it's a toughie. It's a hard question to answer that for many people. But what about you? Where's the one place you find yourself going back to time and time again or really look forward to every time it's in the diary? Um, I think I would have to choose Tristan's studio um, just because of the amazing way he puts various ingredients together and creates something beautiful and delicious. I think creativity is is so, so, so important when thinking about Michelin and Yatris and picking up a star. So fantastic news over there as well. Um, we're going to be delving into the pages of Nourish magazine and looking at some of the recipes. And, well, it's a bit warm out there truth be told so let's start with the cool as a cucumber so celebrating i mean honestly if we've got cucumbers in our fridge i'm i'm feeling pretty good as a parent because it's always always requested by the kids but you're doing some pretty cool and creative stuff with it including cucumber kimchi tell us more because this isn't the normal way of creating a kind of a pickled favorite what are we doing Okay, so um, kimchi is one of my favorites. Um, it, it, it goes with absolutely anything. You know, you just eat it by itself or have it with a sandwich or serve it alongside uh, roasted meat or fish. Uh, these are really easy. So um, we have mini, we have these small little cucumbers in store um, by a, a local producer called Armella. Mm-hmm. Um, so you uh, uh, half the cucumbers lengthways and just toss them with some salt leave it over a bowl, let all the excess water come out. And after that, you uh, mix it up with uh, spring on- finely sliced spring onions, some garlic and fresh ginger and lime, and some uh, basil if you have it, and uh, sesame oil, and 
gochugaru, which is a Korean spicy um, sauce, and a little bit of sugar and fish sauce. And you uh, toss everything together and uh, put it aside for at least two hours. And it's good to go after that. So unlike normal kimchi, which has to be fermented for a few days um, and can only be eaten after that, this can be eaten on the very day you make it. Um, I wanted to ask you about the importance of organic because when is it worth spending that little bit extra and cucumber actually is something that is worth getting on because regular cucumbers are in that top 10 for having high pesticide use so would you recommend organic cucumbers um, from I guess a recipe point of view in terms of their their makeup? Spinney's has some great organic cucumbers in store and those are my favorite I always pick those up I would definitely go for organic. What about a salad? Yes, we have a cucumber uh, and mint salad along with peas. And we've also, uh, we've combined it with uh, akawi cheese. Um, so it gives you a bit of a, like a salty hit. But you could also use halloumi if you don't have akawi. And just to make it a little bit more interesting, um, you can you can pan fry the cheese just before you serve the salad. You've also got a cucumber and green apple slushy. Why do you think this works so well when pairing um, the, the ingredients that we're really celebrating? It's a good way to balance out just that fresh, really fresh um, um, flavor from from cucumber. And uh, this one could also be sort of like turned into a green juice. You can add some spinach to it. You can add some celery or actually any kind of uh, green uh, fruit. You could also add kiwi. And um, if you don't want to have a slushy, you can turn it into a popsicle. Oh, nice idea. Love it. Now, we're going from, I guess, one of the kind of the sin-free ingredients, cucumber, (laughs) to celebrating World Chocolate Day with some really decadent recipes um, and desserts, souffles, cornetto, tiramisu and more. Are you a chocolate lover yourself? Oh, yes, my gosh, I cannot resist chocolate. <laughs> it's like, you know, when you, when you, when you reach that afternoon slump yes. um, every day when you're at work, yes. what can I do? Hmm, Spinney's is downstairs, let me oh, go and get chocolate. That's so dangerous. I don't know how you do it. I honestly don't. I find it tempting enough having, like, you know, some dark chocolate digestives in Mark Lloyd's, you know, draw that I'm like oh no they're there and now, <laughs> and now they're calling to me um in the uh, um, other pages of nourish we've got a white chocolate hazelnut cornetto and a frozen chocolate tiramisu so we are truly taking care of the sweet tooth you're listening to farmer's kitchen on dubai i 103.8 with spinnies eat well live well Fantastic to have you with us on this Friday afternoon. Karen D'Souza with us from Spinney's and we're delving into the pages of Nourish magazine. It's on the shelves of Spinney's now, full of ideas, inspirations. We are celebrating International Friendship Day using some famous food pairings. And Karen's with us explaining some of her favourites from the pages of Nourish. Now, peanut butter and jam, peanut butter and jelly, depending on your passport. Um, Tell us more about... Going beyond that basic sandwich that is so beloved. Yes, yeah, so we've uh, taken peanut butter and jam and um, instead of making a sandwich, we've made them into muffins. So um, these are excellent uh, as a lunchbox option and you can just make them in bulk and freeze them and then bake them anytime you want. You can use any kind of jam that you want. And um, we've also added a raspberry to the batter. So it gives you a pop of like tartness, which contrasts with the sweetness of the jam. Um, and, and 
like most of our um, muffin recipes, it's really easy. It's just like 15 minutes of cook time. Um, and yeah, and everything is really easily available uh, at Spinney's. And it also has a, a beautiful little crumble on top that sort of elevates it. Oh, nice. Now, um, peanut butter banned in a lot of schools and nurseries for obvious reasons. And I know you've got some great alternatives in store yeah, as you well. Yeah, so you can um, swap it out. Yeah, cashew. Yeah. Cashew it. or almond. Yeah. Um, now, I want to go a bit savoury, if that's okay. Bacon and brie. Uh, you're doing this as a yeah. frittata. Um, which yeah. again is something I would order if I was going out for breakfast, but I've never made it at home. Um, any tips for making sure we're kind of, I don't know, doing doing a really good breakfast brunch, you know, without having to leave I, our, without having to leave house. Um, I think the the my top tip for this would be uh, keep it over a low heat because you uh, you don't want the base to become overly brown. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the, I mean the recipe is is pretty pretty basic and quite simple, so there's there's no chance of actually anyone sort of botching things up. <laughs> oh, challenge accepted, Karen. <laughs> I, I'll report <laughs> Send back. Send me a picture when you make it. <laughs> We've become completely obsessed in our house with watching Master Chef Junior. There is something so pleasing about kids when they get it right but also hilarious when kids get it wrong so my children have been taking a bit more of an interest which I'm very well I was to say very happy to see my stress levels perhaps not not so much but they're really getting into cooking <laughs> honestly it, this this show is amazing some of these children are just phenomenal eight-year-olds making I know oh, it's, it's just it's it blows my Crazy. mind it really really does and the judges are fantastic Karen any any recipes in this feature that perhaps my kids could turn their hands to Yes, definitely. So um, we all love peaches and cream as a dessert, right? Yes. So we've taken peaches and cream and turned them into popsicles. Um, so it has double cream yogurt and honey or maple syrup, whichever you prefer, uh, um, some cream and vanilla extract and ripe peaches. It's all blended together and we pour it into popsicle molds and uh, up to five hours. You, you have yourself peaches and cream popsicles. And this is a great, um, well, it can be a little, a little bit of an extravagant uh, breakfast option for kids or a mid-morning snack. You've also, I mean, I've got to be truthful, my favourite combination ever. It's got to be cookies with a glass of milk. And you've done a bit of a special, kind of a bit of a Middle Eastern twist as well on this one, using Lotus Biscoff and... The item that cannot stay in our house for more than two minutes before they're completely demolished, the Spinney's chocolate chip cookies. Uh, so <laughs> a, a fantastic one there as well. Um, tell us a little bit about the Zatar um, olive oil loaf you've made. That's my favorite. So um, Zatar and olive oil is like classic combination, right? Middle Eastern cooking. And it's, you can um, baste, uh, you, you can baste uh, chicken with it. You can um, uh, brush it over pizza dough um, I mean there's so many things you can do with it so I have it almost every morning like that's <laughs> I do honestly so I normally get labne I'll have a little drizzle of olive oil put some zatar on top mm, and have it I with know. some flatbread Yum. or some crudités or something and it's it's just so delicious and if you've got some basic pantry stuff in the house super super easy you're using them together as a bit of an ingredient making bread at home what, how does that go yes so we this is a, like a twist on a manouche and um, but we've made it into a pull apart loaf so it's a basic bread dough uh, which we divided into balls and then sort of rolled them into kind of like a square shape and then each square was brushed with olive oil and sprinkled with zatar and then they were stacked one on top of the other um, before we flipped them onto its side and placed it into a loaf 
um, and baked it. So uh, while it's baking, the the zatar and olive oil sort of separates each one of those squares. Um, and once it's ready, it's really to de- really easy to just pull it apart. Oh, yum. Um, yum, yeah, yum, so yum. This would be great served with a, with a messy platter or alongside a soup. Love the sound of that. Now, I wanted to come back to the kids, if that's all right, because like it or not, the holidays are fast approaching. <laughs> um, and I don't know if anyone else's kids are like mine, but all they do is ask for snacks. We've got a combination of them being in the house more than, off, more than they normally are, saying they're bored, saying they're hungry. So I'm thinking, let's put them, let's put them to work. If they want snacks, they can make them. Uh, what you've got a feature? I would recommend. <laughs> yes, I would recommend fruit uh, fruit sushi. So we've made sushi uh, with uh, strawberries, plums, and kiwi, and a uh, wasabi. Not actually oh, a wasabi. Wasabi? What do you mean? Uh, <laughs> so it's wasabi made with mashed bananas and fine, uh, finely ground pistachios. Um, so you can just get you can just get yourself a little a little um, sushi making set mm-hmm. and set them set them to work making little um, uh, rolls with the rice and uh, straw, uh, finely chopped uh, strawberries kiwi and plum. Um, and the trick to getting the sushi right is to keep their hands wet um, so that the rice doesn't stick to their hands while they're rolling the sushi. I love the sound of that. Um, we also had a, that lovely muffin recipe for peanut butter and jam or jelly. And yes. I spied another one in the pages as well I wanted to ask you about. It's gluten-free and it's grain-free, but it actually sounds really delicious, which it's often often the twain do not meet um, on the Venn diagram of taste and uh, <laughs> and things being free from. What's, what's this one? Because it sounds like you could kind of be quite adaptable with it depending on what you've got in the house or what you can Yeah, like. so, we, so there's a basic muffin recipe, which is uh, eggs and uh, sugar, rice, flour and vanilla extract. And then you can use that as a base and mix it up with a variety of combinations. So we've got a spiced carrot muffin. Mm-hmm. So that's just um, carrots along with some mixed spice. And then you mix it in along with this basic batter. Or you can make it with a courgette and pumpkin seed. Uh, and we have another version, which is a little sweeter. It's mixed berries and uh, chocolate chips. So use, the, use our uh, basic uh, grain and gluten-free muffin uh, recipe and you can add whatever else. You can also swirl um, nut butters through it. Love it. Karen, thank you so much. We've run out of time, but luckily there are lots more recipes, lots more ideas in the new issue of Nourish magazine. A real Middle Eastern focus in this one and celebrations are plenty. Thank you so much for your time as ever. Thank really you. Really love You're making my tummy rumble. I now desperately, <laughs> desperately want to pull apart Zatar and olive oil loaf, followed by a peaches and cream popsicle. So uh, if you could get baking for me over the weekend, that'd be fantastic. Um, and thank you so, so much. Karen D'Souza from Spinney's her top Thanks, pick Ellen. of the Dubai recipe scene is uh, is Tretton Studio. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. It is heating up out there, so we're cooling off in the studio. Who doesn't love the odd uh, icy treat from time to time? And I'm all about moderation, but if you fancy treating yourself more often than not, you can go down a, a healthier route. Artisserie Gelato is joining us in the studio. It says plant-based gelatos and sorbets. And Prashanti, the founder, is with us now. Lovely to have you with us. How are you? Super good. How about you? I'm good. I, you know I want to ask you what your favourite restaurant in Dubai is. Tough question. I know. Uh, <laughs> I would say um, probably Akira Beck. 
can. They have a very well curated menu. Yeah. Great brunch, tuna pizza. Absolutely. Lovely guy. I, I'm vegan, so I, they do have an alternative of the tuna pizza, which is out of this world. It's made of truffle. And, oh, yeah. let's talk veganism. When did this um, start for you? When did you start kind of dipping your toe into plant-based eating, Prashanti? Um, I think it's it goes beyond just being plant-based. Um, I felt it's it's about living a life that's more aware, more conscious um, of what we're putting inside our bodies and, of course, the environment as well. So I, I took a look at, at the food industry and how it sort of evolved over the last 30, 40 years. And, and there's so much more of everything. We use more pesticides, more insecticides, more um, hormones and, and things that I would ideally like to avoid. So that's sort of where this, this came from. And making products like we do that we avoid as much nasties as we can and at the same time, uh, you know, catering to a, a, a huge audience, their children who love our ice creams, um, those who are health conscious, of course, and um, and yeah, and those who just love a good scoop of ice cream. It's it's one thing to be kind of looking at the food market. It's another thing to start your own food brand. Yeah. Uh, why did you decide to focus on desserts in particular? Um, good question. So I have zero sweet tooth. Really? <laughs> Except for ice creams. Um, so I did the usual run of, you know, studying IT, working as a consultant. I was in telecom, did the corporate run for 15 years and sort of reached this crossroads where I, I needed to make a shift. And the food industry has just always been dangling in front of me like this beautiful charm. And I thought the time was right to make that, uh, to take that plunge and uh, bought an ice cream machine, plopped it on the counter experiment started this is at home this is at home it took 18 months to come up with recipes um and here we are we're producing out of a factory three years later okay i want to know what was happening behind the scenes what was up because you've brought some into our green room and there's pistachio there there's mint there's um chocolate as well which producer roger from Offscript, who is vegan has already come in and liberated he's <laughs> taken one already and um, what were some of the flavors that you tried that perhaps haven't made the final cut uh, I would say um, I, I do. Th I do want to bring them back, though. There was we've doubled a lot in flavors, obviously. So there's lemongrass basil. Um, we did a sesame with black. Uh, uh, we called it black and gold. So sesame with salted caramel. There's mm -hmm. banoffee pie. So they haven't made the first cut in mass in mass production, but, but they, they are going to come back. So what were the challenges then when it comes to texture, recipe creation? Because obviously this is you know a bit of a, a bit of a departure from what people think of traditionally when it comes to ice cream and gelatos. What substitutes were you having to make? I mean, um, first of all, when you I, I sort of felt that when you restrict yourself um, from using you know ingredients that are are standard in, that go into ice cream or desserts like milk or white sugar. In the beginning, it was very stifling, but I realized that it just opens up so many different opportunities. So there was liberation in that restriction in a, in a way. And so, you know, you could dabble in, in cashews and in coconuts. There's pistachio, there's millet-based milks, there's chickpea-based milks, there's peanut-based milks. It just, it's endless. And so that's what, that's what goes into the ice creams. There's pistachio butter, there's rose water, orange blossom, there's cardamom and that's what sort of differentiates us today in the market as well from not just ice cream, but other vegan brands too. So what's feedback been like so far and what's it like to see people having see a little... Exactly. Yeah. You look at their expressions, you see them change because there's a lot of preconceived notions. Of course. And um, so, yeah, you, you, you see them 
shift uh, right away in front of you and that's amazing and that's that's what's very rewarding that you don't have to compromise on quality and taste and i hope you'll you'll feel the same when you've tasted the ice cream you couldn't come in a better time i had four wisdom teeth taken out and i'm having some a lot of a soft diet at the moment let's just say for shanti now as i said your your ethos is all the way from you know the vegan plant-based product but you think about being conscious as well and you're donating some of your profits to help others what's that about and who are you looking to help um there are organizations around the world today and i think it just it's all part of this conscious living so we have three values in the business that's delicious nutritious conscious and conscious is we reduce the amount of of resources we consume and also a way to give back so if there are organizations that help the amazon forests or you know help animals out um, that that's where we are messages here saying vegan food is the future and uh, messages that I'm sure you're going to agree with saying I'm always surprised how much flavour they're able to achieve and incorporate into dishes like this. Vegan food gets hate unfairly. Very true. Very true. What's next then? What do you, what's the plan? Well, I'm world domination. Uh, well, absolutely. <laughs> Intergalactic domination if yes. we can. Um, it's just a good time, I think, as a business as well. Um, it's a great time to be in this space. Um, there's so much growth that we have seen in the last decade and even more so to come the vegan ice cream space alone is expected to reach a billion dollars in 2027 oh, a slice of that which pie. is just exactly which wow. is just 5 years from now so it's very exciting for small businesses like us and very encouraging to be in this space at the same time so yeah um and a message here um from G saying please say the name of the company again and where can we find you right I'll, okay. I'll let you do that absolutely we're called artisserie gelato we're an artisanal creamery um we sell on online at the at, at moment we're also looking for places where we can actually set up a, a a nice little stall for ourselves but right now we're an online business so you can go to our instagram page anytime artisserie.gelato and place your order we also supply to cafes and restaurants well we know a few chefs we'll 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 put some hands Excellent. together <laughs> Excellent. thank you so much lovely to, lovely to hear your story lovely to hear about that career sh- shift and really kind of chasing that passion so Absolutely. i have to say the branding's gorgeous and we're going to go for a little nibble now mm. have a wonderful weekend ahead Thanks for being with us on this episode of Farmer's Kitchen. You can tune in live every single Friday afternoon between 2 and 5 on Dubai Eye 103.8.